Joe's freaking out of. This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, final hour of our morning here on Brock and Salt, CL Sports on 710. Scott Service going to join us in 30 minutes. Been a while since we've talked to Skip, and uh, we will do that here at the end of the show at 930. I was over at the ballpark last night, and obviously a frustrating evening. It was just kind of weird energy with the rain and the roof closed, and then Kirby was scratched, and then Julio was scratched, and then France got hurt, and then it looked like JP had gotten hurt. It was just kind of, and he wasn't, thankfully, but it was just kind of one of those nights where it just felt like one thing after another just had an off feel to mm-hmm. it, and then the A's were throwing lefty after lefty after lefty, and you were out of righties because it all gotten hurt over the course of the day and Canzone and Marlowe were having it just it just wasn't a good night but I was there and I'll tell a positive story from it before we kind of dig into where the Mariners go from here because it was uh, the fourth inning and uh, they they loaded the bases if you remember they didn't get a lot of hits in the game but they were able to take a bunch of walks Waldachuk I thought actually had pretty good stuff last night but didn't really have much command of where it was going and uh, so they take a bunch of walks, end up loading the bases and, you know, the, the, the jumbotron Mariner vision says, okay, everybody stand up, which I don't love. I don't love having, you, know, you feel be, like it's Rams rules. I don't like having to have the crowd be told those things. I'm yes. just, I'm going to confess that off the top, but it really worked yesterday. Mm. I, I wish that you didn't have to do that. I wish that the crowd did it naturally and hopefully with a few more, you know, a little more practice of being in contention here as the calendar flips to September in another couple of days, hopefully this will become a little bit more learned behavior. So I do want to preface my compliments by saying that they were sort of egged on by I mean, the it wasn't, it but, wasn't, it wasn't like the poltergeist lady for Rams rules, right? No, it wasn't okay. like, it was not a full on Rams rules. Okay. It was just a stand up and everybody stood Everyone rose to their feet. 44,000. And they started to legitimately affect the game. They really did. And maybe it was the weather. Maybe it was, you know, sort of that dank, getting colder, starting Mm -hmm. to turn to fall kind of a weather. Mm -hmm. It made me, it definitely brought up some memories for me of where I, you know, had my formative years watching baseball and what that was like and how a crowd could affect a game and affect a team and affect the opposing pitcher. And in that moment with the crowd starting to get on Waldachuk and him getting a little wild, guess what? He walked the next guy and the fans went nuts and they felt like they were into it and they're still going crazy and he throws ball one and he throws ball two and you're like, okay, here we go. And everybody's getting riled up. There's two outs and more and more. The base... And freaking Caballero ends up popping up on a 2-0 pitch high and inside that he didn't need to swing at after the dude had just walked the guy before him and thrown like six straight balls. But whatever. Mm. The Mm. moment was lost. We'll move on. I'm not going to sit here and make this a rant about Caballero, although that was certainly a disappointing moment in the game. I actually would choose in this case to look at the positive, which is the crowd seemed to actually get it and actually really affect the game in a positive way. And I think if he had let that pitch go, 
I think they actually might have won that game yesterday. I think they had an opportunity right then and there to win that game and kind of do what they were doing. So I, I loved it. It was a great atmosphere despite all of the kind of oddity of Kirby and Julio and everything like that. Just seeing the right field upper deck full and seeing folks above the hit at here cafe. I got to tell you, it just changes the entire way that stadium feels and sounds. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you are preaching to the choir of the impact that that fans have. That's been my life in the Pacific Northwest. That ultimately was one of the biggest reasons why I said no to UCLA and yes to the University of Washington in December of 1994. Because when I went to Husky football games, Salk, and there were 74,000 people every single game for those home games, and you heard them and you felt them and you were like, oh, I've got to be a part of this. And then when you're a visitor coming in, you're like, good Lord, this place. <laughs> I mean, I got to overcome this team on the field, and I've got to overcome all of them. Oh, by the way, uh, you could say the same thing about the Mariners' brethren right across the street and the impact that that 12th man has had so many years, mm-hmm. so many decades, starting in the kingdom and all the way through. And frankly, you know, when, when the Mariners get it going, this town, I've told you, if not once, I've told you a thousand times, has the heart of a baseball town. And so desperately, and I saw Bob and Wyman and heard them talking about this yesterday and, and what it means and the impact. And, and all my old buddies from the Huskies and the Seahawks in the 90s and the 2000s are like, yeah, man, well, it's kind of weird to see all these 12 flags. I mean, this was a Mariner's town in the 90s and the early 2000s. You, you could feel some of that. Oh, yes. Night, honestly. And you felt it last year. You felt it last year in September, right? You, you felt it in October. Yeah. The Houston Astros and Dusty felt it, as Buster said. You know, why are the Astros looking over their shoulder? As, you know, Verducci said, why is Dusty Baker telling me out of turn and totally out of context that, yeah, we need Brantley for these Mariners because they know, they know what's brewing up here in Mm -hmm. Seattle. It's more than coffee. (laughs) There she is. Oh, Ram rolls were scary. I know you love those. I know you love those Ram rolls. clap your hands. Every time we get to the quarterback, I want to hear you yell, (laughs) Pocket collapsing, he's sacked again. Uh, so awful. And poltergeist ladies at the end. Just get to the end with the poltergeist lady. The 12th Ram. The 12th Ram. Ram rules. Follow these five rules so our team don't feel the advantage. Together as one, we can do it. We can do it! Ram rule one. Third down and goal. Hold on. When the Rams offense is at work at the line, Ram rule two. He's got a first down. Oh. Every first down for the Rams. Our announcer says St. Louis, you scream first down. Ram rule three. <laughs> On third down, let's help our Rams by making some noise. I can't hear you. <laughs> Ram rule four. Oh, here we go. Number four. Every time we get to the quarterback, she comes. I yeah. want to hear you. She's yell, coming for number Sack! five. So scary. Ram rule five. Last round to kick it off. Leading up to every kickoff, let's slow clap it out. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. That has some real strong developers, developers. <laughs> you never energy. heard it? <laughs> I've heard it. It just reminded oh. me of the, oh. the 
the awkward Bomber. Microsoft oh, developers, 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 oh, developers, man, that's developers, Pat's favorite. developers. Why do you have to bring that up? Developers. Why do you have to do that? Why do you got to bring that up? We'll tell you a team that likes to draft, develop, <laughs> and trade the Mariners. They lose last night, but their skipper's got a whole bunch of interesting decisions to make coming up. We'll talk to Scott in 20. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, one of those frustrating games, Brock. You mentioned it last night. You're right. It felt a little bit like earlier in the year where they just weren't able to get themselves on track to offensively. Just not much there. And unfortunately, they were missing a bunch of their right-handed hitters. And the A's just kept throwing left-handed hitters. So one thing they have. I said yesterday, shame on me. These A's have nothing other than Seth Brown, who had a home run. They actually have major league arms, lefty arms in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. They, they actually have guys that can throw spin. And, you know, if they have any strength, that would be their strength. They do have a bunch of lefty major league arms. Yeah, and, and you had a bunch of left-handed hitters, unfortunately, correct. yesterday. That wasn't a great mix. So, uh, yeah, Mariners held to just a run. Luke Weaver thrown into it at the last minute. He didn't even know he was starting. Yeah, it was a little unexpected. Uh, obviously, I was a little shocked. I uh, was about to start playing catch uh, with the relievers uh, like normal and was notified. So just kind of had to get into a mindset and kind of adjust routines. Um very different than obviously a normal start day from when you wake up till now. Um, so just kind of had to navigate that. And, uh, you know, it's baseball. I just try to go out there and keep it simple and uh, attack and do the things you, you, you can get your team uh, aligned to win. And yet, Brock, as bad as it was yesterday, I ran into a uh, member of the uh, Mariners business team yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not a baseball ops person, but... He says uh, this is like the fourth, third, fourth inning as things weren't, you know, could just sort of see where the game was going. He's like, just watch. They're going to have the tying run at the plate in the ninth inning. You know that. And sure enough, they absolutely did. In fact, it was the winning run at the plate after they got a single pinch hit single from Rojas, double down the line for J.P. Crawford. And there came Eugenio Suarez. Three, two count. But unfortunately, swung at a pitch upstairs, and that was it. So they lose. Rangers win. Astros win. Blue Jays lose. One more against Oakland today. One ten. Matinee start. Bryce Miller and Zach. Neal. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, 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 I thought you'd already done it with the lefties no, from the sure. A's. I guess you got so. more. That's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> He loves you, and so do I. Well, Brock, it was not a good night. Let's just say that. Unfortunately, these Mariners players are just dropping like flies yesterday. Go ahead. Injury bug, man. Injury bug. It's it's beset their pitching staff all season long. Did start number one for Robbie Ray. But as the skip said after the game, they've been able to stay relatively healthy offensively. That wasn't the case last night. Always concerned. You know, I, I don't want to um, you know, see how these guys feel. Uh, when they come in tomorrow, again, it's a quick turnaround day game. Um, then we got the day off uh, as we head to New York. So you just never know. Uh, things happen, you know. Um, things come up, and we have been, you know, pretty injury-free here through this, the whole month of August. You know, a couple bumps and bruises some guys have played with tonight. We had, you know, it caught us. It happens. You know, you're looking for guys to, to you know, some of our younger players step up. Matchups were tough tonight. They have a lot of left-handed pitching, um, you know, the starter and in their bullpen. You know, and they executed and got big outs against us. You'll run through the Rolodex of these injuries, but I was one of millions in the Pacific Northwest uh, that was searching nerve and foot. 
what, what, what's going on here? Julio skips it afterwards. It's something with an inflamed or pinch or some nerve in his foot. Don't Google it. Don't go to WebMD. No. Let's just hope that thing calms well, down. Well, just keep listening because we're going to ask Scott about it. I would say right off the bat here in about 10 minutes and see what kind of an update we can get on Julio's foot. You also had Ty France's either thumb or wrist. It was initially re- announced as a wrist. Then later, Scott said it was a thumb. But fortunately, the swelling seemed to go down. Both guys are now day-to-day. What I think is interesting, though, is if they either is going to miss some extended time, and maybe they're not, there are some right-handed bats available right now through the waiver wire process that actually hit left-handed pitching and they don't necessarily do anything else but Harrison Bader, Josh Donaldson who I mentioned earlier and also uh, Randall Grichik all have 900 plus OPS against lefties now God, I, when Buster said it, I had forgotten about the Tim Anderson incident with Josh Donaldson I hadn't, okay, volatile no well, instead of saying volatile, couldn't you have like made reference to that? Because I was just thinking of sort I didn't of his remember. general honest, intensity. I didn't, re- yeah, I didn't remember it either. I'm I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. That probably makes him a no-go for me. I had forgotten about that whole yeah. thing. I was just thinking of his sort of general volatility and intensity. Yeah. That's probably a, a no-go. Anyway, Jared Kelnick reports to Tacoma. He'll start his rehab assignment with a start tomorrow night. T.O. is an N.O. Here's the third thing you need to know. Just a really quiet cutdown day, really, across the entire NFL, but especially here in Seattle. No real surprises. All the draft picks made the team, all 10 of them. Jarek Reed was maybe the one question mark. He made the team. Jake Bobo, of course, made it as you would expect. So did Tyreek Smith. Cody Thompson ends up getting the fifth wide receiver spot. But after that, Brock, there really wasn't much drama. I mean, Levi Bell and Aesop Winston both were, you know, didn't make the team. You would expect to see both uh, on the practice squad today. And then a couple of waived injured guys, Jonathan Jonathan Sutherland Mm -hmm. and Vi Jones. But really, overall, just wasn't. It wasn't a big day. Still a hard day for a lot of people, as Bobby Wagner knows. Uh, No, it's it's always a tough day because, like, when you come in the building, the process is is different so you don't know if you're saying what's up to guys or you don't know if you're saying goodbye to guys and so a lot of guys work so hard for this moment and you know in that moment when your dream seems like it's it's over it's, it's tough but you try to offer as much encouraging words and you know some guys will come back on the practice squad some guys get an opportunity to uh, go play for another team and you just try to find a way to extend your career as long as you can and um, you know that's kind of my advice to guys yeah, I think some four or five hundred of the guys are going to find a practice squad. And I know that the Seahawks are going to want to keep a lot of their own that they let go yesterday. I think there's probably going to be another hundred or so that are going to change teams and be on somebody else's active roster uh, via trade or a, a waiver claim on a termination or whatever it is. Yesterday felt league wide like, whew, OK, let's all around 32 teams. Let's just let's do this first move. And now we'll spend the next three or four days really figuring out what we want to do really studying the tape really digging in with our personnel departments of and ultimately find a trade or a, a waiver claim or a pickup kind of like the mariners may have to do as well and jerry and his team lost scott about that was there an added conversation after well what the yankees and the angels have done and in a way that buster only said may not have made a lot of the owners real happy around major league baseball yesterday all right there you go that's everything you need to know i did see this name somebody uh texted this to us yes or earlier brock and i, I looked it up do you have any interest in danny shelton I, I know he's been beat up a little bit right and obviously former huskies 30 years old but he is a legitimate nose tackle he is 
Yes, he would speak to kind of KJ's answer. Well, what are we going to be up front? Are we going to be this team that just has that big old nose to anchor it down? I think when you moved on from Al Woods, and you know Danny's a little different player, and in six seven years younger than Al, who wore down at mm-hmm. the end of last year, he yeah he's he's out there, and boy, he would love as an Auburn guy. I know. I am sure he would love to put on the colors of his hometown team. Yeah. So, yeah, worth worth watching, you know, keep it, keeping an eye on, but probably younger. If you look at these trades and you look at these moves and you look at kind well, of the and, wheelhouse. And you don't need to make a trade. I mean, he's just a guy Correct. you can bring and put. Now, maybe he's a week two guy where you don't want to make him a vested veteran, et Correct. cetera, and you kind of want to wait yep. until after week one and kind of see what's what. But yep. I don't know. At, at the very least, if you are really serious about a 3-4 and a real nose tackle and a big boy inside. He's real. He, he's a real nose tackle. He is one humongous dude. All right. Uh, it has been really all year. We haven't really talked to Scott. I think maybe one time we've talked to Scott so far this season. Um, but with a day game today, we'd kind of reached out team in first place. It's kind of fun to be able to talk to Scott service with a first place Mariner team on August 30th. We will do so coming up in just a moment. We'll get an update, hopefully on Julio Rodriguez. We'll ask him about Ty France, George Kirby. Don't go anywhere. It's all next on Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. And happy to be joined by Mariner skipper Scott Service, who spends a few minutes with us. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Well, we're good. And, and you know, when we booked this interview a few days ago, we're super excited to talk about where the team's at and what they've been doing and everything else. It's been just such an awesome run. And we'll get to that. We will. I mean, I, I hate the fact that we have to start off this way, but got to first ask you about an update on uh, the two guys, certainly, who uh, were the late scratch and, and left the game last night. Starting with Julio, do we know anything new this morning? You know, I talked to Julio last night before we went home, and he was feeling a little bit better. Um, he is not in the lineup I have out this morning right now. But, uh, you know, we'll talk to him when, when he gets in and, and see what his availability may be today. Kind of a freak uh, deal. He was just prepping for the game, kind of going through his normal routine uh, in the weight room. And, uh, you know, just <laughs> felt something in like a a nerve issue or something in his foot come up and it was really bothering him. And, you know, that's why he was the late scratch last night, but hopefully it's nothing too serious. He did feel a little bit better before he went home last night and we'll see here. Uh, he's just getting in here now this morning, but uh, my original lineup, he's not in it today. Should I have any concern that he wasn't available late to pinch hit last night? Or yeah, tonight? Last night. He was not going to pinch hit last night. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, you know, you have to, I always, you know, you lean on the players, you trust the players. They know their bodies better than anybody else does. And uh, I just didn't think it was it was worth it. And uh, where he was at, he wasn't in a good spot. So, again, we'll see where he's at today. Should I have any concern that me and millions of others search WebMD for nerve and foot? <laughs> well, that's why before I go to my presser every day, I said, okay, what can I say that Brock and Salk won't tear apart and do those things? Yes. So I try to be as, right. as bland, benign right. as I can possibly be. Yeah. And, um I try to do the best I can. Well, the other guy across the street, you know, what he does, he gives a word salad, Pete, and it's like 9,000 words, and then we're like, I can't even follow any of it. So there's, no, there's nothing nothing to search up. Uh, obviously, the other one was in-game with Ty. You said after the game, the swelling actually uh, seemed to be getting better. Any, any new update on Ty's thumb? 
Yeah, checking in with Ty this morning. Uh, he feels better. He got you know hit kind of weird pickoff throw, smoked him pretty good. Uh, he does feel better today. He is in my original lineup. Again, those lineups tend to change once you get closer to game time and guys have had a chance to get in the cage and feel how they're doing. But uh, he gave me a thumbs up this morning, so he's in the lineup today. Well, that would certainly be great. And then, you know, not that I think it needs much of an update, but Kirby out sick yesterday. Any concern that that's rolling through the clubhouse or was that hopefully a one-off? Uh, you hope he's a one-off, but uh, we'll see how George is today. Uh, he was up sick the entire night before, really didn't sleep at all, did not feel good yesterday. So when we sat down with him uh, about three thirty, four o'clock, just thought it was best to, to push him back a few days. He'll be in today, hopefully get out, do a little throwing, move his body around a little bit, and uh, we will probably, if everything's good, slide him into the rotation here when we go to New York. That would be great. Okay, well, enough of that stuff then. That was the immediate update stuff. We want to talk more about you know how this team got to where they are and what a fun run it's been. Maybe the best way to do that is to go back a couple of months in time, exactly two months, to June 30th. It was a tough day. Tampa was in town. The team was booed that day at home. Can you take me back to, to maybe post-game that day, where the team was at, and maybe what happened next? Uh, I forget about getting booed at home. So why'd you bring that up? I mean, that's, that's not a good way to start it. Well, you know? uh, yeah, you got to start again, at the bottom to get to the top. Yeah, that's the I story. got you. I got you. Uh, no, it, it, the, the first couple months of the season were tough. They were challenging. I think, you know, we were playing tough schedule. You know, we weren't doing anything consistently offensively. Uh, but for our for the goodness of our club, our pitching was awesome. and It was giving us a chance. It was keeping us in games. It was... Uh, avoiding us uh, or helping us stay away from a, you know a long losing streak just because we're so consistent on the mound and you know eventually we kept you know saying that we're better than this it will come around it will come around and you know sometimes it's it's, it's the crazy you know a big hit or a big come from behind win I, I look at that you know series we had over in Anaheim and you know we hit the grand slam by Cape Marlow that night when we were kind of down and that kind of flipped a lot of things in a positive frame for our team and. The one thing I've said about our team, really, the last couple of years is we don't quit. We don't quit playing. We keep fighting. We keep grinding. Even last night's game, we didn't have nothing going on. And you look up at second, third, and Gino's at the plate. You think, okay, we can pull this out. And it's really a testament to our players. Um, they have never, and they just, they're not wired that way. They don't give up. And it's led by, of course, our, our shortstop. Uh, you know, JP is he's in the middle of it all the time. And, you know, it's been fun to, to see how this thing, whole thing has come about. But, you know, there's nothing – like the electricity that Julio Rodriguez has brought, you know, with his bat and as hot as he's been and his, it's been contagious. It's rubbed off on a bunch of our guys. Uh, we're having good at bats up and down the lineup. Last night we got, we got stifled a little bit offensively. We just couldn't get much going. It's going to happen once in a while in baseball, but we got to get after it today again. We'll get to Julio. Uh, I think Salk and I got a bunch, and Salk did not love Buster Olney's comp for, for Julio today, so we can, we can get to that in a second. But just uh, I'm curious, Scott, just looking back at that, I think continuity matters so much. The continuity of you and Jerry and this front office and the years and years and years and years you have together. And, and I found it very compelling when you had said to either Goldie or Divis, somebody had it out this week, that in that moment you doubled down. You double down on, like, we're going to really lean into who we are and what we believe, and we're not going to panic, and we're not going to freak out. I just wonder if you could speak to how much that trust that you all have together allows you, even in the midst of that struggle, to double down. Well, those of us in leadership positions here in the building, philosophically, we are aligned. 
we believe in the same things and what's important uh, to sustain winning baseball over the course of a season. That doesn't mean you're going to go out and do it every day and execute it, but uh, our foundation is, is locked. It's solid. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. And people are tired of hearing about it. You know, you control the strike zone. You, you control counts on the mound. You grind out at bats. You keep doing those things, and you keep talking about it, and you track it internally, and, and you just keep hitting your players over the head with it, and they buy in. They believe it because when we're playing at our best, that's what we're doing. And I think when things start to go off the rails a little bit, you have to go back to your foundation. I think you do it in football, Brock. You know, we're not tackling right. We're not blocking right. It's not the schematic things that you're doing. It's not bringing the right pitcher in at the right time out of the bullpen. It's going back to the basic fundamentals. And we've clearly defined what is important to us. Our players understand what's important to us. So when it starts going bad, you have to go back uh, to the foundation that we've built here. And we've been able to do that because there has been continuity here. And that's, that's a thank you to our ownership group and, you know, Jerry and I having the ability to kind of put those things in place and it works. We believe in it. Uh, now we're on a great stretch right now. One of the reasons we're on that great stretch is because we're doing those things at a very, very high level. We don't give up free bases. We're the least in baseball. Number one in baseball, giving up free bases. We don't walk people. We don't make a lot of errors. We, you know, and when we're doing that consistently night over night after night, we're going to be in a lot of games. And now the offense gets going and you're winning a lot of games. So, you know, it's a formula that works. It's easy to talk about. I think when it's going bad, it's when you have to double down on it. And we've been able to do it. Our players have responded, and we're having a nice year. You mentioned your center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, and he, he said something the other day that I must have played already 30 times on the show because I just really like it. I've never heard a player say anything like it. I think I know what he's trying to say, and I'm curious your reaction to Julio. This was Saturday when asked about the team and their hot streak. But still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying it. We're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we, we're capable of. I feel like every every single every single guy on this team that they know that we, we, what, what they're capable of, we – we all see each other preparing yourself, and I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was was seeing, oh, why is this, this team not playing like this? It just This is just who we are. Where does that come from, the idea that we're not hot, this is just who we are? Well, there's an internal belief uh, in the clubhouse, and that's been there all year long. And it's not just from Julio. It's from JP. It's from Gino. It's from Teo. Ty, Cal. I mean, the guys that are out there grinding it every day, you know, we knew we weren't performing to our capabilities. And, you know, right now we're, we're clicking. And it's not just one guy, it's, it's multiple guys. And the thing that stood out for me and then Julio, you talked about our preparation. And I think, you know, as we've got a really fun month ahead of us, these games are going to be exciting. Our fans are into it. Uh, but kind of from where I sit, it's like, okay, let's all lock in, back in, make sure our preparation is where it is. Because once the game starts at 7 o'clock or 6.40, whenever it starts, everybody's locked in. There's no issue. Everybody's at the top rail. Every pitch matters. But what we do leading up to the game, you can control that. And that's your preparation. And our guys are locked in and how they're taking care of their bodies, making sure we understand what the starting pitcher is going to do against us that night, prepping for the other team, making sure we're on top of our game. That's when you really double down on the preparation. And I'm glad to hear Julio say that. You know, Buster only, Scott Serve is with us. Buster was on a couple hours ago, and he said about Julio, there's just very few in the game who just, it's just a confidence that others grow around him, that he just emanates, and it just elevates everybody around them. Scott, I'm curious from your perspective, and Smoltzy was on last week with us saying, you know, you guys got to hang out when you were 18 on a baseball team. So you've been, you've been around the block for some decades in baseball. 
How many other guys come to your mind as a player that genuinely infects others with confidence around them? Yeah, I've been around a few, and uh, those, some of those guys I was around during the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're that talented a player. I think, you know, Julio's got a personality that is, you know, the smile on his face, the energy he plays with, as young as he is, uh, and certainly playing in this market where he can com- be compared to Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, everything lines up, and, you know, he does take people along with him. And, you know, it, it's exciting to watch not just on the field, but kind of what he's doing in the background in the clubhouse. And, you know, it's, it's just growing up before our own eyes and our fan base's eyes. So uh, it's an electric personality, unbelievable player. Um, we got to keep him healthy, Brock. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Key. And, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to, to do that. But, um, you know, he, those, those super talented players, they can elevate players around them, and, and we're watching it here every day. And does he challenge your face, too? Because you have an amazing face in the dugout that just never flinches. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> it, is, it is awesome. The camera is always on you. And, you. and I know that can't be what's going on in the gut at times or the heart or anything else. And I'm sure that guy, is, is he the one that maybe impacts your facial expressions the most? Well, fortunately, when the ball is up in the air and it's going out of the fence, the camera's never on me. It's when I'm screaming, go, 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 and all this other stuff. When the ball goes over the fence, I come right back down. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the emotions that run throughout your, uh, you know, in your body and, and what's going through your head throughout the course of the game. And my job is I'm always thinking ahead, you know, what, what could get us here, making sure that we're prepared, whether it's, it's a defensive alignment, making sure our bullpen's ready, you know, all those things that go through a manager's head. I love my job. I love being around the group of players we have. And, you know, I I really have to say last night something stood out in the game for me. It's a Tuesday night. It's August 29th. We're in the fourth inning of a game against the Oakland A's. There are 44,000 people on their feet cheering on Cade Marlowe in the box. That's special. You know, I mean, I get it, you know, when it's September 30th and, (laughs) you know, you're, 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 but it's, we have a month to go, but our fan base is fired up right now, and our players absolutely feel it every night. Before the game, like, wow, look at all the people here tonight again. But in the fourth inning last night, I'm looking at people in the upper deck, and they're standing up, you know, and cheering on a walk with the bases loaded. It's pretty awesome right now here at T-Mobile. It seemed like it affected the, the, the game a little bit, too, and, and I don't know what happens if, if Caballero doesn't pop up there. It seemed like maybe it affects the pitcher and he gets a little wild, et cetera. Yeah, I agree. It was a pretty awesome moment last night just seeing all of that. You mentioned how you love your job. How much easier is it with this starting pitching staff? <laughs> yeah, it does make it uh, quite a bit easier to enjoy it. Um, our staff's been incredible. Uh, from what Luis Castillo has continues to do since we acquired him. George Kirby's taken a step forward. I thought Logan Gilbert was just awesome the last couple of times he's been out there. And the impact that Brian Wu and Bryce Miller have made as young pitchers. Now, we're getting to the point in the season where you're really looking at the workload and where they're at and how their stuff is holding up and where they're at physically. So, you know, we're doing a lot of discussions kind of behind the scenes. Uh, we understand how critical it is that we keep everybody healthy moving forward. Um, and that includes, you know, The Rock and George and Logan as well as the young guys. So uh, they are the key. You know, pitching and defense wins. I talked earlier about, you know, how we are so good at, at limiting the free bases because it gives us a chance every night. But it starts with those guys on the mound. So um, I'm very fortunate uh, to be able to manage a group like this. And it's been fun to see them, see them all grow together. 
It's been just moving from there to to the bullpen. It's been really interesting watching this group this year. And, you know, I I always think about, you know, your conversations in the past where you talk about using guys against pockets and figuring out who's going to be a good matchup where and all the ways you've used specifically Matt Brash this year in some of the hardest situations imaginable, not necessarily in the ninth inning, but earlier in games where the game is really on the line. As you start to move forward now with Brash and Munoz and Topa and some of those leverage guys, where are you at with using them in sort of this post-Seawald world and one in which both of them have had a couple of struggles here in the last couple of weeks? That would, I would determine uh, that is the great debate. That's the Ryan Divish question every day. So <laughs> about the closer, and you have to have a closer and all this other stuff. And I tried to explain to the, the local media group the other day, you know, we really haven't had a closer here the last three years. Right. Now, everybody says, oh, we traded our closer away. Paul Seawald. Paul was our closer here for a short amount of time. And the reason that was, everybody remembers, Andres Munoz was hurt. He was out. You know, he started the season late. And a lot of those pockets fell in the ninth inning where Paul was going to pitch. And before I go into the game, it's not really about the innings. It's the pockets. And sometimes Paul very easily could have had the eighth inning in a lot of those nights, and Topa could have had the ninth inning. But it, it fell on Paul. Paul took it. He did an awesome job for us. Paul Seawald was fantastic when we had him here. But it was never predetermined going into every game that, you know, Paul's got the ninth, Paul's got the ninth. It was just we haven't done it that way. You try to put the players in the best position, the best pockets, like I say, based on matchups, and see where it goes from there. Now, as it plays out here, we go through the month. Andres Munoz is probably going to get the most chances in the ninth inning. Okay, he's pitching high leverage. You know, and, and it may work out that way, but some might just see Tope out there. Some might just see Brash out there. We've seen Gabe Spire get a save for us. It depends who you're playing, what the pocket is, what the situation is in the game, and oftentimes who's most rested plays into that as well. So there's a lot of variables. We spend a lot of time talking about it, trying to do the best thing we can for our players. The, the thing that I'm grateful for is our players understand that because we've been really transparent, letting them understand, you know, giving them a feel, or pull, pulling back the curtain, say, hey, here's where I got you tonight. Here's where you may pitch you know, later in this game. You may be earlier tonight. I think they appreciate getting a heads up going in the game, and it's worked for us. So I don't want to mess with something that's working. Hey, uh, last thing for me here, Scott, is, is I know maybe you've played a little golf with, uh, with some local media members a time or two. And let's just say you're on the PGA Tour. How, how would you be if in the final round you got a lead? Are you looking at the scoreboard? Are you not looking at the scoreboard? Some of these golfers don't even want to know what's going on. They're so focused. I'm curious, 30 games to go, tied for first in this division. It's all in front of you. How much do you look out at that scoreboard with the scores of what's going on around you uh, versus just kind of blocking that whole thing out? Well, I think if anybody told you they're blocking it all out, they're lying to you. (laughs) So I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, You know, you're watching. You're watching the league around you. Uh, You know, where teams are at, who they're playing, how it's going. Once the game starts, I'm locked in on our game. I really am, and you know what the decisions need to happen there throughout the course of the game. But leading up to the game, post-game, you're looking at those things. Understand, it's season's probably going to come down to the last homestand. You know, we we play the teams in our division that were right there with us, and it's going to be exciting baseball. Uh, we need to make sure we're playing really good baseball along the way. We've got a really big road trip ahead of us. You know, big game today against Oakland. Got to win the series today. Day off, and then we go. You know, we go to the Mets, Cincinnati, and Tampa. You know, really good teams. Cincinnati's an exciting young team in their ballpark they can really hit, and Tampa's got one of the best records in the league. So, again, really take it series at a time. But 
I'm not going to lie to you, Brock, before the game. I mean, he's been in my office. I got all the TVs on. I'm watching these teams, <laughs> where they're at. And you know what? They're watching where the Mariners are at as well. Don't kid yourself. It's, it's what makes September awesome. It's a really uh, it's the highlight of the baseball season, getting into October and seeing what happens from there. Yeah, I'm going to guess there was some cheering when uh, Seawald shut the door the other day against Texas mm. or uh, when Houston found a way to lose the other day. I'm going I'm to guess there was a little bit of cheering in around the clubhouse. I, I got to ask about a guy because I we don't know that much about him, but we started, I think, to get a little bit of a look in with a story Goldsmith was telling the other day. And then you said something that just kind of piqued my interest. Could, could you maybe tell me a little bit more about Taylor Sacedo? Oh, my gosh, this guy. This is the, the sauce that makes the recipe taste good. He's the sauce. Uh, Taylor has a unique personality. Um, you know, he's from this Span part of the away. country. He grew up here. He's Span a huge away. Seahawks fan. It, 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 he has his, his hand in everything in our clubhouse. He thinks he's a, the best athlete on our team. He really does. Okay. He's, his body comp is DK Metcalf. Uh, he had a Seahawks helmet on the other day, Brock, out pregame, putting formations together and running plays as a left-handed quarterback. He actually can throw the ball pretty well. i got to give him credit. He throws the football very well, but he is in the middle of everything. He's talking to fans in the bullpen. He's just got that personality that, you know, he can say crazy stuff. You can get on him hard. He can handle it. Um, I love having him around, and you need those guys. He is everything you would imagine a left-handed pitcher being. He's a little quirky, but uh, we, we love having him, and he's had an awesome year for us. But uh, he loves everything Seattle. He grew up here, huge Mariners fan, so um, he's great to have around and love the way he's pitched for us all year long. I got to tell you, I also love some of the fire on the mound. He got mad the other day when he hit the batter in the ninth, the, the day he kind of melted down after uh, was it Hancock had to come out. He was the one who you know jumped on Twitter and just said, hey, I know, thankfully, thankfully the other guys picked me up. It's kind of cool to hear the, the, the two sides of the coin on that, of being – you know, loose, entertaining, stirring the drink, but also understanding his place and, and the accountability of it. He really is. He's he's very grateful, I think, getting an opportunity to be with us. You know, he started his career with Toronto and kind of bounced around there a little bit. He cleaned some things up. He bought into some of the things our pitching coaches had told him early in spring training. Uh, this is a guy, and I remember my spring training meetings. I get players up to interview him all the time. He's sitting in the back of the room. Looks like he's asleep every morning. And the day I had him on, on my sheet, I was going to uh, you know, do the interview with him was later in camp. That's actually the day we sent him out to the minor leagues. And he was so glad he didn't have to do the interview, but he was so pissed off he got sent down. He didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> so, he, uh, again, it's just one of those personalities. He's fun to be around. He keeps it loose, and he really keeps the other players loose as well. Hey, you just used two words there that I, that I wanted to come back to quickly, and that is buy-in, how he bought into the system. And, and we've heard a lot about that from the pitchers. And maybe Seawald was the best example of somebody who came in, was like, yeah, all right, whatever you guys want to do. I'm in. Uh, we hadn't heard that nearly as much about the bats, and, and we talked to Jerry every week and have had some of the conversations about some of the philosophy and the buy-in to it. And we think we've heard you mention some of that over the course of the year in your pre- and post-game comments. And then all of a sudden, we talked to Josh Rojas the other day. By the way, I think Brock and I are kind of in love. He was Jeez. he was like having a spy inside. An or- like He was so honest and interesting, et cetera. But he talked about coming up, coming in here and just saying, all right, I'm bought in. What do you guys want to do? Look at my swing and what can you do? How can you help make me better? How has that buy-in changed on the offensive side over the course of this season? 
I think it's been there all year long. It's just, you know, when you start having success and now it gets publicized and people come talk more about it. But I think that the trust that our players have with our hitting coaches and the relationships they've had, keep in mind, there's so much failure involved in hitting. It's the hardest coach, the hardest position to coach with, with all the failure that's involved. You know what I mean? But there has been buy. And I think from our our preparation, our pregame prepping, understanding how we're going to approach certain pitchers to the swing mechanics and what goes on there. You know, we have invested, the organization has invested a lot. We've redone our whole batting cage area with all of the high-tech pitching machines and giving players the data back. And you can have all those tools, but you have to have the coaches in place that understand it and can relay the message. And I think Jared DeHart, our young hitting coach, Tony Arnrich, those guys have done a much better job as the season has gone along with their messaging. And sometimes it takes a while. Okay, what does this group connect with? What do they listen to? What are they just filtering? And I think once we've clearly understood, you know, how we're wired, um, understanding the messaging and, and, and being able to drive it home, it, it's, it's our players are in. They understand it. And for me, you know, I sit in the hitters meetings every day, and, and I don't say a whole lot. I sit in the back, and I'll chime in once in a while. But it's when the hitters are now talking. This is what this guy tries to do to me. Here's what he did to me last time. Here's how I think we need to approach him. And we've seen that growth with our offensive players, and it's it's paying out. Guys have confidence. And it's not just the older veteran guys. It's Julio. It's Cal. It's the guys that are speaking up in those meetings. They're taking accountability, and they're holding each other accountable. That's when you have it going. And credit to our hitting coaches because, you know, it wasn't easy early in the season. And we had to figure out ways to message differently to our players to try to get them to connect. And we did find out a way that works. So, again, we've got to keep it rolling. We got a big thirty games ahead of us. I know we got to turn this over to Bump and Stacy in a minute. You got to run a thirty seconds quickly here because I I know you wanted to talk uh, about what you and your wife are doing in Eastern Washington. Can you just give me a, a quick thing on what you guys are doing? Yeah, my, my wife Jill is really proud of her and what she's done, trying to find ways to give back to the community. And, and we are big animal lovers. Um, she has set up a nonprofit. Uh, it's called Team Okanagan Animal Rescue, helping animal rescues uh, facilities over in Okanagan County where resources are very slim. So we're doing a fundraiser, Pints for Pets. It's going to be over at the Queen Anne Beer Hall here on September 13th. We have a day game that day against the Angels. Afterward, uh, myself, two of our players will be there. We're going to have a fun time. We're going to help raise some money. And uh, Cara Veterinary Clinic, I partnered up with them here in town. Uh, they they run about nine or ten veterinary clinics. Uh, they will be help hosting us as well. So, uh, again, it's, it's toward... Team Okanagan Animal Rescue and, and my wife Jill and about five gals over in eastern Washington have done a great cool. job putting this organization together. Everything from you know transporting dogs to spay neuter clinics, helping food supplies, ultimately looking to raise money and help build the shelter over in eastern Washington, an area that really needs help. So you'll hear more about it. I appreciate you guys letting me give it a plug. Absolutely. Love and uh, shoot us over the info. We'll make sure to get it out there next week as well. Scott, we appreciate it. Have a great day. Good uh, Good luck today, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. No Seahawks questions. No, not nope. today. Uh-uh. No, no, we're going to run. We're, 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 all we're all in. You're in first Thanks, place. Skip. We're not dealing with the Seahawks. Get out of here. <laughs> there you guys. go, Scott Service. Yeah. We're going to turn things over to Bump and Stacy as quickly as possible. See you guys tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Until then, the hay. Barn. See everybody. Guys in the chopper!